Welcome back to Dark Nexus. Tonight, it's Act 1, Chapter 17. All right, so we're still in the Records Hall after last week's roleplay-heavy session. A lot of stuff came up, which was totally unsurprising given we actually got a whole bunch of information dug up about these characters recently. We got to hear about Dora's experience and her understanding of this entity named Tima, which Dora calls a dark passenger sharing her body. And you actually briefly talked to Tima, who insisted that this body is actually hers and that Dora stole it. We also learned about Gull's current theories of what's happened to him, perhaps involving some body swapping, and we got a little window into what's been driving some of his obsessive behavior with all of the equipment that he's been gathering up. So before popping over to check in on Ray and Grip here, I wanted to quickly double back to two things I missed last week. First, Katie, I forgot to pull this into the conversation last time when we were talking about Dora's character class. We've been a little cheeky and sly about it, <laughs> kind of only really hinting at it, but the word came up in chapter 15, so let's talk about it real quick for those who may not know what it means. What is Dora's ancestry? Dora is an Azamar which is a native outsider, mm -hmm. is technically her classification. And Azamars are born usually to humanoid families. Typically. But they have some sort of celestial ancestry or part of their bloodline that comes up almost randomly, generationally. Yeah, there's, so, like, there's like an angel or an azato yeah, like or something some, in the background of this there. family. It It's... Uh, cool little yeah you get a bunch of cool shit yeah, so tell us what you get <laughs> i get um i get uh celestial resistance is the really really useful one so i have acid cold and electricity resistance five which means i ignore the first five points of damage from any of those sources so cool um and i traded in my once a day light spell for <laughs> right. a uh a thing called incorruptible <laughs> it's a i haven't used it yet it's it's like a spell once per day spell Spellic ability called Corruption Resistance against evil. Once per day, I can cast that, and it uh, on myself, and it lasts an hour per level, or on somebody else, and it lasts ten minutes per level. It's um, it's like a limited production from evil spell. I'll go into the details when, when I you cast use it. it. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I get like diplomacy and perception bonuses for being an Asmar. Nice. Oh, yeah, very it's very, cool. very, very cool. So some of this uh, sort of sideways describing about the unusual <laughs> nature of her skin and her hair, we can mm. flat out now say like her, her hair is actually metallic. Her skin tone is actually metallic. It is, there is something otherworldly about her. And uh, I'm also kind of picturing too, because you're coming out of this horrible torture dungeon basement and you've got your body has obviously gone through some terrible experience that we don't know about yet. And that maybe some of this shine and luster is coming back to you as you're going to be waking up. And, uh, and so I'm picturing her getting a little more glowy, a little more metallic. <laughs> you can picture her that way if you wish. I remember when I painted your mini, I kept saying, but you don't want me to use metallic paint. And you were like, no, I do. <laughs> I was being so sly. Uh. And Johnny, just for dramatic purposes, I ended the session where I did last time, but there's actually a little bit more at the end of the file that corresponds with Gull's body. 
you want to give us that last little bit, a quick read for us? I know you found it interesting when you saw it. Absolutely. Uh, development. 15 Lamashan, 4718, patient with a third by head nurse, Deliad to mutter, hide yourself in the Varesian tongue, repeatedly overnight, changing pitch, timber, tone, and dialect with each utterance. Hmm. Interesting. Do you have theories about that you want to throw in now or you want to sit on them for a sec? I have theories about it, but knowing that we did such a big role-playing thing last time, I want to wait for a moment that seems a better moment to bring this up. Great. We'll come back to it. Uh, so, you know, we heard a lot from Gull last time and we checked in extensively with Dora on what she's going through. So before we continue our exploration, I just wanted to take a sec and check back in with sort of close the loop on Ray and Grip here. Polly. We, we know what Ray was feeling when he started this yeah. session. Uh, how's he processing what came up? I know in the reality of our fiction here, he kind of retreated, but what do you, where do you think he's at? Well, something interesting happened in the gameplay because we had this huge break uh, at that moment in time, and I knew how I thought Ray should react to that. And right when I said, when I grabbed him and said, who are you? For Ray, meeting like the cold eyes of someone who doesn't recognize you, yeah, probably feels or it has already expressed some disdain or it's some tone, we'll say, and slipped a pistol into my belly. And I just feel like so lost at this moment. Mm-hmm. Also trying to deal with the fact that the, the mom lady is my mom, I think. Yeah. Not according to these records. But we have this... I have the same last name as... Gull. (laughs) How was was the record worded? Because it said biological son of... Yes, biological son of Tima Antea, biological son of Gulliver Vaticus, and the records did state that Gulliver Vaticus and Tima Antea were husband and wife. But, you know... Here's a question to go along with that. Yeah. Does he look... Like he could be the biological son of the man on the table that died, and Dora. Yeah. I mean, you would not have noticed it if it hadn't been pointed out to you. And knowing what we now know about Dora's body, and that there is outsider blood in it, these bloodlines are prone to bizarre changes in appearance. Like, these characteristics that Dora's body has were not characteristics that presumably both of her parents had. This just popped up out of nowhere. So there are certainly elements of that as a element of what may be going on that could sort of explain why he may not have uh, immediately looked like they had it, like he has any relation to the body of Dora. So Ray's, I don't know how else to put it. Is that, does that seem like a fair way to put it? Yeah. Okay. So Ray's just touching the rotting uh, flesh on his face, yeah. feeling kind of rejected yeah by both father and mother figures um but not but so strange right because they aren't <laughs> so that's where that's where his headspace is right now awesome and how how did grip do you think process <laughs> the nonsense last time <laughs> also having a year to think about <laughs> this just happened i i had this picture of of grip immediately feeling like he was lied to actively lied to and so I think uh, I was picturing a similar reaction to what what Ray did, mm-hmm. 
but the more I listened to what you had to say, <laughs> I you're right, who's to say what is going on and I'll continue to call you a gull if that's what you say we should do. And it's been hard to hear these things about my past and what I, the, the being I've evidently been and reconciling that with what I feel I am. And it's just been hard and I'm, I, I'm sorry if my initial instinct was to not trust you because you've shown yourself that you've tr been trustworthy so far as we can tell. And that's what I have to go on. Ray looks up at that. That's all that any of us have to go on. What we do now, and what we see and feel from each other. We're what we've got. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's talk about what we have not yet explored in the administration wing here. Ultimately, the goal is to clear area out and report back to the crew in the chapel, right? Is Or, like, have we, do we, what was, when, the last time we left find... them? We're trying to find a way to get everybody out. Okay. Right, and we believe we have to go through <laughs> here to get to, I think, the crypts or catacombs, which might lead to an exit... That Further wouldn't involve the Far yard. enough away. You had sort of two clues to go on. Yeah. One was Administrator Lissandro might have information. You found her office. We're still yeah. in the middle of figuring that shit out. Yeah. The other clue was that there's this entrance to the crypts in the east courtyard, which is not where you are. You briefly checked it out in chapter oh. 14. Gull heard flying shit. You all kind of freaked out, closed the door, and said, nope, not <laughs> today. Thank you very much. So it would behoove us to find out anything we can about Dr. Lissandro and what happened in her office, if there's more to find out here, and anything on Oliver Zandalus, who is probably making all this weird shit happen. And obviously this wing has proven so far to actually be a source of information. Like yeah. nobody's had information yet. None of the people in the chapel know you, know really much about anything that's going on. And we never acted on any of the ideas we had about the possible body in the... the we did not. The rainbow fountain. Not right? yet. Okay. Not yet. Okay. We were we were saying that we were going to wait till tomorrow so that Dora could. Right. 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 Okay. All right. Thank you. Oh yeah, to do more psychometry, psychometry possibly, or area. detect yeah. thoughts or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I uh, could do detect thoughts now if we want to go back there, but. Well, we'll probably have to go back that way. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so. So let's talk a little bit about what we haven't explored in the administration wing. You'll recall there's this narrow, low-ceilinged hallway running about 50 feet east out of Dr. Lissandro's office, and it has five doors in it. The two doors on the north side of the hallway both lead to personal effects storage. Now, Grip has been in that room through the easternmost door, but only super briefly, and also while he was punching through people's skulls and dodging crowbars. You have not yet walked around the space and actually checked it out. There are two doors on the southern wall of the passage. The westernmost of those two leads to the records room where you're at, which we now know contains patient records. There's actually another door inside the records room. You see that? Yeah, on the west. It, I'll tell you right now, it's locked, and we have not been through there yet. 
Back in the hallway, there are two more doors yet that we have not done anything with. The other door on the southern wall was closed, as was the door on the east end of the hallway. It's been a while, so let me remind you that that door is leaking rivulets of blood <laughs> out the bottom, out the sides, out the top, defying gravity and spreading out <laughs> on that wall in a fairly disturbing way. But not but not like running on the floor. Nope, just Anyone kind of like say haunt. <laughs> Perhaps. So that's what's left around here if any of it is of interest. And I'm guessing we probably have some healing to do as well because I don't think we healed anybody except for Gull. I do have an interest in the personal effects place. Yeah, I, I got like a giant crowbar gash across my face with broken nose and some teeth that are not quite in. I'm down seven. I can do a uh, positive energy burst. Excellent. Ray clenches his fists. The air glimmers with white silvery light. Not much. Two. I'll do that again. Zoom. For three more. So that's five. Total of five. One more of those left. Where's everybody sitting at? I'm at 22 of 24. Nice. I'm down three. All right. What do we want to do? Should we look for records of uh, Oliver Dandleth? Unless we know from detecting thoughts or overhearing other conversations that they've already taken those, I do think we should look for them. You do not know that. Okay. But now at this point, you've probably spent a couple of hours going through this mishmash between looking for your own records and then that second search looking for the records on Gull's body. And let's say you've exhaustively searched this room for yourself. If you had seen Oliver Zandalus at this point or seen a thread that would lead you that way, you would have spotted it. You would guess his records are not in this room. Dora's interested in looking at the personal effects to see if there's anything that might belong to the people in the chapel. Maybe Bates. Mm -hmm. Um you know, anybody who might be comforted by something that we could find there. Oh, I don't yeah. want to spend, like, hours on it, but be nice to not come back empty-handed. Right. And along those same lines, Gulliver would definitely be scoping out, trying to see if there's anything, any bits and trinkets of stuff that he could use to make a Toys. fake toy alchemical torch. Yeah, you would guess, because you, you were in the doorway of the personal effects room, and you would guess that there's probably wonderful, <laughs> wonderful supplies for that kind of thing in there. So you want to start out there, personal yeah. effects? Great. So we leave the locked door in the records hall, head up to the north to the personal effects storage. And again, this is a 30 foot by 30 foot room. It's fairly large and it is filled with racks cluttered with boxes and sprawling collections of haphazard junk. There's all sorts of crap thrown about the place from the two apostles and orbermen who are in there looking through stuff. And you do also find as you start walking around, that it looks like one of the men had been playing with three dolls for a while. They're set up on the floor with some cups and saucers. They're these old, <laughs> faded, lacy Victorian-type dolls with cracked ceramic faces, and the eyes have been plucked out. No. Dora is going to cast Detect Psychic Significance. You're probably fairly overwhelmed. Yeah. Nothing of campaign interest is going to pop up to you, but this is a room filled with all of the things that people were carrying as they left behind uh, and, and all life to, to spend the rest of their days here. This is, this is long-term storage here. You notice 
as you come in halfway up the right side of the room on the eastern wall there is a hole bashed through the wall between two of the giant shelves like someone bashed into this room from the east so there's detritus of stone spread out into this room and kind of a hole that's about the size for a human to crawl and squeeze through just look as you as you just first catch sight of it you can see a couple of like garden shovels as though people beat through this wall to get in here with to avoid using the door that's bleeding possibly to avoid yeah. the bleeding door okay and we have a way Give me some perception checks as well as you're scoping out the room. 27. 12. Also 12. I'm not going to do better in a 27. (laughs) (laughs) So it's Dora that comes up with, as she's very carefully going through some of the items on this shelf, she comes up with two small bubbling vials that immediately register magical auras. And uh, yeah, you found two magical potions among everything else. And what everything else consists of is clothing, jewelry, personal trinkets, cards, letters, all sorts of stuff. Don't None of it is valuable. It's like they wouldn't have- But it's com- clothes. It's cl- so this is the first opportunity <laughs> for you four to actually find some clothes. And I wanna hear from each of you, if you think your character would do this, like, would you find some clothes? What kind of clothes do you want to find? And you find, like, how do you want to dress yourself if you want to take people's clothes here? That is an option. I'm definitely taking people's clothes. Yes, what do you put on? I'm comfortable. Yeah. Loose fitting, but not, you know, to catch on things. Mm -hmm. But, like, covered. Yeah. (laughs) Simple and able to move. So, as we as has come up at some point, the fashions in this country at this time are very gendered. So, yeah. if you want so, clothes size for a woman, they're going to be dresses, okay. or you can find uh, some comfortable, you know, smaller man's clothes if you want she's pants. She's pretty and, tall. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if she can find pants that fit. So trousers, sure. And a and a, you know, a tunic. Yeah. That's what she'd wear with her cat skin boots. Cat skin boots. <laughs> Sometimes you put the tuck the pants into the boots, you know. But she wants to be able to move. Yeah, great. So Dora Without is shame. Dora is wearing clothing for the first oh. time this campaign. <laughs> Who else? Uh, who's got an idea here? Yeah, Gull would definitely like be rifling through trying to find something that would fit his sort of like very slender frame. Yeah, I think he would try to find something. I don't know, like, I have this image of him wearing things that are both sort of, uh, that have places to hide stuff, right. like a coat or something like that, but also something that's With maybe... Like internal pockets. Internal like. pockets, but also something that might be slightly peacocky. Something that, like, kind of, like, <laughs> sticks Pretty. out a little bit. Draws attention. Exactly. Nice. Something that Love makes it. him feel bigger. The, the red leather isn't enough. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think that he's thinking that even though he likes the red leather, he likes the way that that looks, he also yeah, knows yeah, that yeah. he's still trying to hide. Yeah. And so he wants to, hmm. like, he likes the idea of it, but he's like, I, I, I got to get a different color. I, I can't. I got I to find, like, a different. Yellow leather. 
Oh. No, not yellow. <laughs> Maybe the stranger will hand over her armor. Red leather, yellow the leather. leather. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but definitely some shoes. Uh, if he if he could find gloves, yeah, some gloves so that he doesn't have to like touch skin if he doesn't have to. Yes, absolutely. Probably do that. Uh, he would also grab up every single toy that didn't look like a creepy toy possible <laughs> to bring back to the kids and like anything oh. that looks like it would be something that people would enjoy to pass the time. As you're looking for stuff specifically for these kids, you come to the conclusion pretty quickly that those might actually be kept wherever the children's ward may be because there's like a noticeable absence of that kind of stuff in here. But there is plenty of like clockwork stuff and um, mechanical things that you could use to look for parts for your for your clockwork thing for, for or it. even just for them to have to like play to with. do something with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can find diversions. This is this is like a weird question, but what do people? Is it common for people to read in this world? Is it mm-hmm. common for people? So, you know, maybe when we come back through the library, see if there's something that's not, you know, a book on the devastation of shame and <laughs> disturbance and something that people right. might be like, here, here's a nice beach yeah. read for you to check out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, awesome. What about Ray? What's he putting on? Ray is thinking about what Grip said in the other room and, uh, thinking he needs to keep his armor on because that's proven to be very useful. Yeah. So he's not changing right now. Okay. No more change. Keeping that patience robe under his armor. Yeah. (laughs) And grip. Oh. Yeah, you can wear armor over You can put some simple, like, trousers and a shirt under your armor, yeah. That's the point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just a little more dignity. Just a little more dignity. I'm trying to give you guys a little (laughs) bit of dignity. I didn't realize I was free-balling under the armor. (laughs) Definitely find some some leggings. Just some leggings. You know, just some nice leggings. You should get some purple pants. Maybe ripped off. Purple leggings. A hat. I would want to find a hat. Oh, yeah. What kind of hat? Maybe a bowler. (laughs) I think you can find a bowler. I love it. (laughs) Nothing like a bowler man with metal teeth. (laughs) And uh, Grip? He doesn't care so much, but... um, I mean, maybe a pair of pants rather than a hospital gown and some boots, if there are any such things that would fit him. Yeah. Uh, But other than that, he doesn't care about anything else. Yeah, yeah. You can find some boots. Great. So I'll hand those potions over to either Gull or Ray or whoever's detecting magic on them. Can I find out what they are? You can. So you can open up those senses to magical auras. And give me some spellcraft checks. Okay. 16 on the die plus 6. That's a, what, 22? The first one is a vial of silver sheen. Which is a shimmering paste like substance that can be applied to a weapon as a standard action. It gives the weapon the properties of alchemical silver for one hour, replacing any other properties uh, of special materials that the weapon might have. One vial will coat a single melee weapon or 20 units of ammunition, which would include bullets if, it decides to, if we decide to go that way. So you can basically make a single weapon or some ammunition a silvered weapon. Wow. Which is very cool. Silver bullets. And give me, give me a check on the other one. Uh, can you use that on natural weapons? Or is that... Boy, I don't see why not as I read this. Let's so, save yes. it for the werewolves. <laughs> and uh, 10 plus 6, 16. This is 
oil of a line weapon. It will make a weapon chaotic, good, evil, or lawful as you choose. Wow. Yeah. That's very powerful. It nice. is very powerful. For, in this case, three minutes. One weapon, three minutes. I'll carry that. <laughs> Everybody's looking at grip. <laughs> Heavy hitter, take that. Who's got the silver sheen? I think Gull should take it. I think so, too. All right. Silver bullets. Classic. Classic. So classic. Uh, I'll have to make some more bullets first. Oh, yeah. You're, getting, you got to be I'm running low, low, don't you? Yeah. yeah. I got okay, it. steel hound. <laughs> I'm getting low. Yeah, I've got... I had, I, had, I had made a few more, so I'm down to seven, five, seven. I'm down to seven. As Ray... Your senses are open to the presence or absence of magical auras. Mm. You are detecting a glint of some magical auras coming out of that hole in the western, sorry, in the the eastern wall. Yeah. Oh, quick question. Before we actually go delving into the hole, um, you had mentioned jewelry and stuff like that. Yeah, nothing of any real value, but yeah. yeah. You could certainly, if you decide you want to get some bling going, you certainly can, but most of it's going to be like junk jewelry. Yeah. Just paste and glass. Is there a tiara? <laughs> yes, there is a tiara. Do you want uh, you want Dora War in a tiara? No. <laughs> Gull finds a tiara and offers it to Dora. Oh, no, thank you. I thought one of the girls back at the chapel might oh. like it, though. Uh, Maeve yes. uh, likes to draw attention to herself. Yeah, I'll yeah. take it. Sweet. So in three rounds of Detect Magic, I can get a little more information about the kind of magic that's coming out of that hole, right? You can. So you extend your senses into that hole, and you pick up two faint auras of abjuration magic and one faint aura of transmutation magic coming out of that little hole in the wall. Ray does not have Knowledge Arcane, so, and Paul also does not have Knowledge Arcane. Uh So what does that mean? Transmutation, I figure that's like the shaping of of things, right? It's type of magic, so Mm -hmm. transmutation is moving things from one state of being to another. Mm -hmm. Abjuration is protection magic. Yeah. Okay. So something that changes something and two things that protect something. I could go in and check it out for you. Please, go. Please. Just regular perception and then sneak in? Yeah, love All it. Right. Perception total of 19. Great. And stealth? Stealth. Ooh, nice. Uh, 15 plus 10, 25. Mm. So you shimmy your way through this hole in the wall that was indeed, as it turns out, bashed through by a couple of gardening shovels, and you find yourself in a small, what seems to be a storage closet, maybe 15 feet wide by 10 feet tall. There's another door on the eastern wall of this room, and it's a shambles. It's just shambles, obviously, like it had held a whole bunch of supplies that all crashed to the ground during the earthquake. Stained sheets, cleaning supplies, soiled bedclothes, and lying among them is a, uh, a dead human woman whose face has been removed. She's wearing studded leather armor 
and she's got a fancy cloak wrapped around her. She's got some things in her sort of bulging in pouches at her side. Uh, no weapon is visible here, but as you as you sort of you know, give her a quick scan over, it looks like she probably died from uh, getting stabbed repeatedly, and then her face looks as though it was, you know, actually removed post mortem, like like she was, like her her face was cut off. All the skin was cut off her face. Does it look like something that the doppelgangers would have done? Hmm, significantly sloppier. Like you know, th- what those doppelgangers was doing was. As Paul described it, the OCD of a surgeon. This looks like... They were just trying to make sure no one recognized her. Or just like people in a frenzy ripping skin off. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's um, pretty gruesome. Would I be able to drag her into the other room? Oh, yeah. I think you would, for sure. So I'm going to listen at the door first. Yeah, give me a perception check. 19. You hear a hollow, high-pitched wind and a wet, sloshing, churning of liquid. Maybe like a small stream 10 feet away or something from the closed door that you're listening at. Something that might, say, cause like a flow of blood through a door on the walls, ceiling, and floor. I like where your imagination is going, but I i don't know. You don't, you don't have more information than what you hear. Gullah's going to leave that door alone for now. I like it. And he is going to <laughs> carefully uh, dra- carefully and slowly drag this body back. Great. Done. You can pull her back into the personal effects room there. So what's radiating magic is her cloak, and she uh, has two other potions on her person. You want to give me some spellcraft checks yep. there? Polly. A uh, natural one in the first one. The cloak is a mystery to you. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, natural six plus six is twelve. The first potion is a mystery to you. Uh, natural nine plus six is fifteen. Unknown. Oh. I can I can make checks on the potions. Great. Uh, first potion alchemy is seventeen. Uh, unknown. Okay. And then a twenty-two. The second potion is a potion of protection from evil. Mm-hmm. This is cast at first level. It would last for one minute. And this is a, a potion that would ward the drinker from attacks by evil creatures, protect against mental control, uh, and from summoned evil creatures. Is, is the armor better quality armor than the armor that I'm currently wearing? It is not masterwork, so it is the same, but it is normal sort of dark brown leather rather than being that daredevil red. <laughs> so right now that would give me that would give me a plus one to my armor, minus one armor check penalty, and it would be five more pounds of stuff. Gulliver is gonna like push it to the side because even if we even if he decides not to use it, yeah. somebody back there might be able to use it. Someone back in the So it's he's definitely way better than anything anybody has except for Winter or Valston for sure. Yeah. So awesome. Should we put it in the Oh, in the haversack? Yes. Would we be able to mess with the cloak at all to try to see if we could figure out what it does? Anybody trained in use magic device? As you put it on, (laughs) you don't notice any visible effects and you don't feel anything. But if anybody wants to keep it on, just let me know who that is. 
I, I would yeah. I would want to try it like seeing that she it looks like someone who is sort of a more stealthy person. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna see if it does anything involving stealth. Oh great. So you're gonna sort of like stalk around the room and see mm-hmm. if anybody notices anything different. Mm-hmm. You, nothing different that you notice. Okay. If I cast resistance on him, would it be useless? <laughs> is there any way to tell? We'll have to find out. Well, wait, did you say two things of protection and one thing of transmutation? Uh, correct. Okay. So the the other potion is a... the cloak is radiating uh, abjuration magic. Then, hmm, Johnny the player knows what this is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gulliver Gulliver does not. Although, although does like knowledge spellcraft is that something that you could make any kind of guess about? Are you that trained sort of in knowledge arcana? I am not. Are you? Yes. Want to make a check? I do. Natural one. <laughs> it's a cloak. You know of abjuration. You know that it uh, provides some sort of protection. I don't think it would be meta for you to assume that it would be safe for one of you to wear it and that it would do something good. But beyond that, we don't know yet. I almost feel like we should roll for it because I, I, I don't feel like I it. could. Yeah. yeah, let's roll for it. Let's roll for it. It's a 20. Our first roll off. Hey. Our roll off. Hey. 17. 6. 11. 14. Okay, looks like Ray's getting Woo-hoo. a cloak. So basically, anytime anything happens, until you figure out what that is, remind me you're wearing this cloak. <laughs> Who do we least want dominated? <laughs> if all eyes, all eyes went to Robert. So too. Yeah, no. Yes. And who uh, already so has to deal with... Don't you take that potion of My will saves are pretty you. strong, though. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, a big uh, minus one? Is that right? No, I think that one, I think I made intelligence the minus, but it is a big fat zero. Okay, okay. Much like my fault save. I, I, I cheated a little on, on me dimming him down. I'm like, let's see, intelligence has no saves associated. We'll right, make that right. the eight. Right. Although second yeah. best is probably the person that heals all of us all the time so that bad things don't happen to him. Mm-hmm. I'm already ready talking player. to me. Yes, talking Sorry. about you. <laughs> just looking over my sheet. <laughs> the one who keeps us alive. Yes. Meat shield. Do you I want to carry down. the unknown potion? Uh, sure. Cool. All right, so we've got this storage space, this collapsed storage space with some creepy sounds on the other side of it. Then we have this other door on the southern wall in the administration hallway and that locked room in the back of the records office. How about the locked room? Yeah, l- l- let's go check out the other room. Excellent. So we head back to the office there. You want to pull up those lock picks, Mr. Absolutely. Go? I also want to check for traps first, just because who knows? 15 plus uh, 9, perception traps. Does not seem to be trapped. And then disable device. Oh no, that's a terrible, terrible roll. So I fumble it. So the first attempt to pick this lock provides a source of embarrassment and shame <laughs> as the rest of you all lurk over him, watching him carefully can, fail. Can, can, can you guys light up? Can you guys kind of just back up, back, back up a little Should bit? Should we turn around and not look at you? <laughs> yeah. Don't. You got the skull. Can, can someone make some noise? <laughs> Are you giving him a guidance? Someone was that that was? Yes. Corner. Think okay. about running water. I'm going to be new plus one on that. Track. There we go. 17 plus uh, 9. 
26. Excellent. With ease, you pick the lock, revealing another smaller records room, crowded with filing cabinets, except for one space on one wall where there's a battered old painting of a somber, leaning, gray stone tower. But it's another room filled with records with a painting upon the wall. Is there a history check to be made on that painting? Oh, go ahead and make it. Detect magic. 24? Yeah, you would know what that is. I don't know what it is. Let's decide together what it is. Oh. <laughs> so what is this it tower? Is, uh, it is, obviously, it's in Ustalov. Yes. And it's hidden in a small records room. Which was may have once been someone's office. That's the land of their ancestors. So it's a it's a it's a painting of a tower. Oh, from a very residential, bucolic part of Ustalov mm. on the shore. Mm-hmm. And this is a lighthouse from an earlier era. It's a lighthouse. Yeah, oh, it's a lighthouse. So it resonates with Dora in that she's been seeing that lighthouse when she yeah. casts spells. Oh, I love it. What a- I think it feels familiar to her. Yeah for that reason. That's fun. But would she a, might not know. I'm going to put a pin in that for later. Yeah. <laughs> would a pirate nurse like this? <laughs> oh, we'll have to ask Nisa if she knows which, which lighthouse that is. <laughs> As Ray is detecting for magic, he picks up no magical auras. Psychic significance? Yes. So you're already Is it the painting again? Is it the tower? No, you're on to so, something. So you're already staring at this tower, right? Yeah. And you you open up your will to, the, to detecting these auras, and you start to see rays of light shooting out from behind the painting. Oh. And pretty soon, it's like you can't even see the lighthouse itself because there's so much light glowing coming she, out from behind it. She reaches for the painting almost without thinking about it, yeah. and then stops. Gulliver. Yeah. I think there's something behind this painting. It's very important, so be careful. Perception? Yeah. Oh, natural 20. Nice, nice. So as you're sort of scoping around, checking around the edges of this thing, you don't notice any signs of traps, but you're as you sort of peel back the corners, the edges of this painting, you find a very cunningly hidden panel behind this painting that uh, has a little small latch that you are able to discover with that perception check. Doesn't seem to be trapped, doesn't seem to be locked, just very hard to find. Pop it open. In the hollow of this wall is a pile of patient records. And as you just start to flip through them, you can tell immediately they are like all of the interesting cases, maybe specifically all of the supernatural cases stretching back for many, many, many years. With these records, there is also a small lockbox and a long, narrow, lead box. I will check for traps on both of them. Uh, 7 plus 9, 16 not trapped. I pop them open. Lockbox is locked. (laughs) Sorry, I forgot to mention Natural 20. (laughs) Hey, excellent. Um, It contains 40 gold pieces, six fine pearls, each worth 
15 gold pieces each, and a business card. It says, The Sleepless Agency. Investigation, Protection, and Extraction. The Sleepless Building, Thrushmore. Cassadia Rents, Founder. So it's a business card for a private detective, it seems like. L- knowledge local? Yeah. Uh, 8 plus 7 is 15 plus 1d6. Uh, 21. Yeah. You recognize the Sleepless Agency. It is an extremely famous detective agency. They started in Thrushmore, which is a relatively small town, and they are known to be famous continent-wide that Cassadia Rents is someone that high-powered rulers who need something discovered or something found out will often send one of their, you know, spy ministers to visit her in secret and to hunt down secrets and information and stuff. He he mentions that to everybody and yeah. pockets the card. Great. So they were pulling information to maybe sell to this person? Uh, no. Is there anything about Ulver Zandalus in those files? There is a file for Oliver Zandalus mm. in this pile. Was there anything in that box before we do this? Yes. An exquisite short sword with a crimson scabbard. The pommel is in, sculpted in the shape of a cardinal, and there's an etched gold band indicating the sword's name is Red Destiny. Wow. Does it look like it would go with any of the rest of my red gear? No, no. It looks very different, of a di- completely different style. Mm. Um, look away. Uh, nah. <laughs> Actually, short it's, sword shorts are is a piercing. piercing. Yeah. 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 Oh, neat. Never mind. It's a pretty blade. Patient record: Ulvers Andalus, male, Parisian descent. Approximate age at the time of intake, 45 to 50. Rosenport contacts claim him to be in his mid-20s, but physical examination suggests otherwise. Smooth face, wrinkled hands, extensive scarring around jaw and skull. Committed to Therenrith, uh, 4685, 33 years ago. Circumstances transferred from Ferasman, Lamentations, and Rosenport. Attending Dr. Elige Lathandro. Zandalith exhibits complete withdrawal from society and an inability to care for himself in any but the most basic modes. The symptoms of his passive antisociality chronically present as mutism and blanketness. Frequent night terrors result in brief but dramatic nocturnal outbursts, shouting, shaking, fear responses. Zandalith seems to grasp the difference between sleep and wakefulness and typically recovers from nightmares quickly. Treatment. Therapy, antipsychotic regimen, observation. Development. 2-4687, 31 years ago. Zandalus proves to be a gifted and prolific artist. He has enthusiastically taken to using a charcoal drawing set to create dramatic but fanciful works of art, typically renderings of surreal architecture and skyscapes. Art calms him in the wake of a nightmare. He will be afforded basic supplies to continue such therapy. 
Development 11-4702, 15 years ago. A shift has occurred in Zandalus's art. He has repeatedly, almost perfectly, illustrated one of the ancient standing stones situated at the northwestern corner of the asylum grounds. As the Isle's shores are off-limits to, pa to patients, I do not believe he has ever seen the subject of his work. The significance or coincidence of this merits further study. Development 24715. Well, that's about three years ago. Count Hazerton Lowell's has taken an interest in Zandalus, first his art and now the artist. Lowell's has become a repeat visitor, spending hours upon hours with my patient, but refuses to explain his interest. Dr. Trice has expressed misgivings about the relationship, but I see no harm in it. Hmm. Is there anything in there to make checks on? don't know that there is. The ancient structure? Unknown. So the big pieces of information to take away from there is this whole art therapy storyline mm -hmm. that he had been in a perpetual state of mutism and blankness until he was given charcoal, whereupon he started drawing these surreal cityscapes that he was apparently seeing inside his dreams. And as, of course, that comes up, those of you that have had these specific dreams are picturing those fluttering pieces of paper going by you in your dreams covered with charcoal drawings of creepy buildings and all mm. that sort of stuff. And the paint in yes. the hallway. Red paint. Red and... Paint this sort of initial question about how old even is this guy. One contact says in the 50s, one person says in the 20s, they don't know. Smooth face, old hands, lots of scarring around the face, and there's no, no apparent consensus on the actual age of this human being. And then that last thing, in the, the three years ago, is this notion that uh, Dr. Trice was apparently uncomfortable with Hazerton Lowell's interest in Oliver Zandalus. But um, we do know Zandalus was prominent. We'd had a knowledge check on the name earlier. Mm -hmm. Found out he, he was associated with the university, but he would like hook people up with expeditions and... No, he, no. he was not prominent. His name not. just was remembered from a list of oh. people who went on these famous expeditions. Oh, okay. That he was associated in some way with the Cincomacti School of Sciences, and that that was basically, like, as I recall, the knowledge check was very high, and to even remember this insignificant person's name among these lists of, uh, of people who were going on these expeditions sort of indicated that however Gull's mind worked, it was about cataloging information, mm -hmm. right? He was remembering names very specifically. Right. But those expeditions mm -hmm. are associated with a time 40 years ago? Around, 20, around the time of Oliver Zandalus's intake. And am I remembering this totally wrong, or is there a connection to Zandalus and the crying man? Zandalus, as far as we know, is the crying okay, man. Okay, okay, that's, what, that's yes. what I thought, but then I was like... Oh, yeah. yeah. Th this is a weird but question. But certainly some confusion about that fact, too, because it's all, you know, you're experiencing, you're experiencing someone who looks like how Oliver Zandalus has been described. Mm -hmm. So that's the connection, yes. The extensive scarring around uh, the jaw and skull, yeah. what did that present as when we saw the crying man? 
You did not notice that. Okay. Yeah. The the face of the person who I just the body that I dragged in. Yeah. Does that look like in terms of how the face has been taken off, would that be scarring around the jaw and skull like I'm trying to see if there's any kind of match up hmm. to those things. Well, it does look as like maybe somebody had fun with trying to make a mask of human skin for themselves and took that's the my yeah. face off. Great. Okay. And uh, so there would certainly be a line right around the jaw if so someone took their face off. That that's strange that he had the smooth skin, but his hands and the rest of them look old. And here's this body that you know looked like somebody took the face off of it. There Did seems it? to be a lot of people uh, eating people's faces and things here. Too many. Maybe one is too many. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody want to check out this thought of destiny? You want to detect magic there, right? Yeah. It glows with magic. Spellcraft <laughs> <laughs> check. Give yourself a guidance. Yeah, why not? We're free. Sure. Uh, that would be an 18. Unknown. Oh. The sword is too powerful for you to determine what it does. It is clearly an enchanted weapon of some sort, but the magic is stronger than anything you have thus far experienced in this campaign. I explained that in appropriate terms to yes. my game players. Can anybody actually use a short sword? Because I can't. I can. Can't I? Yeah. And it's piercing, you say. It piercing. is piercing, yes. Um, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. Nice. This powerful artifact. What's the worst that could possibly happen? <laughs> it's probably not Just curse. make sure whatever you do, don't Molinay with it, because then it'll feel like a slashing weapon. <laughs> Only stabby stab. Only stabby stab. Okay. Uh, it does 1d6 damage. Short swords do 1d6 damage, and they have a critical threat range of 19 to 20. And its name is Red Destiny. Red Destiny. So that'll be 1d6 <laughs> plus 3. As you look at... The contents of the other files in this room, it seems to be the uh, the records of staff members here. So, outer room, patients, inner room, staff. I didn't see any need to rifle through the... Yeah, no. Though, perhaps, Dr. Lissandro could be an exception, since any information that we can find out about her might help us rescue her or save her. Find her. You want to give her a give a look yes. for Dr. Lissandro? Uh, give me... And perhaps Dr. Trice, since they're dead. Yes. <laughs> give me intelligence checks. Just to see how quickly you're able to... Is this a library? It is not a library. <laughs> Twelve. Uh-huh. Thirteen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing relevant from you two. I, I'm not going to roll not an intelligence okay. check. You could roll a natural 20. So about a... Um, 17. I rolled an 18. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was all those hours of grip, like, watching you all plow through the files in the other room and finally, like, yeah, I figure out how to do this. (laughs) He's able to fairly quickly determine that the files for Eliège Lissandro, the file for Borigman Trice are notably missing. Dr. Chua? Sure. 
Yes, you can find his file. He's been here for, I believe, 20-some years. No, no information of note on his file. Well. Is there anything else in this room? Do we check anything else? Um, nope, just... Uh, I think we should take those files that were hidden. That included Zandalus's. Mm-hmm. Oh, just toss the whole pile into the haversack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. And Johnny, you took the card, right? Yeah. Yeah, great. I mean, and I'm assuming we took the, the gold and the pearls. Yeah. Tossing that in the haversack as well? Yep. Oh, I'm seeing some minis moving, so we're heading out into the hall to check that last door on the south. It's the door kind of next to the door of blood, but going to the south. Give it a listen first. Great. Ten. Okay. You don't notice any traps. It doesn't seem to be locked. You hear a faint whimpering sound, like an animal in pain. Very quiet. I will share that. Okay. Sound like an animal whimpering. Be careful. So careful. Uh, is it locked? It is not locked. Crip, you wanna you wanna open the door? I. Which side oh, of it do be, you want oh, to be? Oh, be careful. On? Yeah, don't put Gulliver next to the bleeding. Yeah. We do a little <laughs> dozy dough. Okay, so Grip's uh, got his shoulder against the door, goes a few feet back. Looks like Dora and Ray are waiting. I, I, I just put. I did, no, I'm good. I didn't want to make the choice of putting everyone in a straight line. <laughs> yeah, so, I appreciate um, it. Yeah, I'm, I should be at the doorway. Grip. Yes. You open the door. I do. And there's some weird shit going down in this room. Now, it appears to be the shambles of perhaps another storage closet, perhaps a supply closet. There is a big collapse of uh, rubble, ceiling material, stone, kind of throughout the room. But it looks like the wall, which as you're seeing this now, is the exterior wall of the asylum itself, has crumbled, revealing a space beyond, which seems to be the interior of perhaps a shed, And as you're looking at this, you can immediately put this together as this is the north end of the east courtyard, probably exactly where Nasa said the stairs down to the crypt were. What you see in that five foot wide, sort of 15 foot long storage shed is a gaping hole. That's that's here. Yeah, that's there, sort of beyond the rubble like that where there were once stairs has just dropped into the earth and there is this sickly greenish uh, like fumes emanating from this open hole. On the lip of the hole, there is a human man in a Briarstone Asylum patient's gown who is kind of collapsed. Picture somebody going to the edge of this hole and then looking over the edge, and then falling into a coma. There is a man kind of crumpled, halfway bent over the thing, and you can see his eyes are open, and he's drooling, and he looks like he hasn't eaten in days. Right to your left, inside the room, there is there is another fox <gasps> cowering on the ground. It looks very different than the fox that you found in the basement. This one looks almost like an Arctic fox. The initial impression is kind of like dirty gray, but as you look at it, it seems like it's got a white coat. It's like speckled with black, solid black paws, black muzzle, black ears, black tail. It's in terrible shape. It looks kind of old, for one thing, and starved. 
and probably dehydrated, and it is caked with smeared feces all over its hindquarters, and it seems to be flattened down in a submissive posture in a dried puddle of its own urine. It's staring to the south at that open hole and where that man is lying in this perhaps comatose state. And it's shaking, like visibly trembling. Its eyes are wide, the teeth are bared. It's like ears back, like whimpering. Uh, It's in a very bad way. Can Gull see this fox? Yes, you can. I push Grip out of the way. You can like I, 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 I literally do my best to push past Grip into uh-huh. the room to squat down in front of this fox. It, as you squat down next to it, it continues to stare at the lip of that hole. Very, very carefully and very slowly put my hand on it. It, if it were in better shape, what it does next would be like a pretty solid nip on your hand, but it clearly barely has the strength to do that, so it kind of like wrenches the head around, the teeth snap a little bit, and then it turns his eyes up to look at you and does this little head shake, like kind of almost coming out of a trance, and then looks back to the hole, looks up at you, looks at the man at the edge of the lip, looks up at you, and just leans its head, like exhausted, near death, against your leg. Uh, I will pick it up. It allows you to. I will pick it up and move back out of the room. Okay. And I'm any anything that I have. If, do I have any water with me, like from the water that we would have saved from the boiler? Do we? I have like flasks and stuff. That was yes. how we drank and stuff. Yep, so got, if I have anything water. like that, like I didn't say it, but if I yeah, no, can have something like that's that, that's totally I would reasonable. Totally, you know, it, move it, into a room. It's away a bag from this, of bones. And I would, it is a bag of bones. I would be, you know, pouring water into it, like letting it gently lap at it and stuff like it that. It does that. So it laps at the water and it just keeps shaking its head almost as though it's not quite able to parse reality mm-hmm. yet, but it's, it's trying to come to. And, uh, and I will totally be just sort of mumbling to it and like softly whispering to it and stuff. And, and I just walk away from the guy at the edge of the thing. Yeah. All right, Grip. Then I will, um, as he's doing that, I'm just, I'm going to, hello, hello, can you hear me? Trying to see if the, if the, the guy is responsive at all. No response. Just blankly staring, drooling. Is he breathing? Yeah, he's breathing but fitfully, kind of like the fox, like in little little fitful bursts. I'm going to um, just slowly kind of inch towards him and so I, I uh, feet this way, head off the ledge. Is yeah, that, head looking over the ledge. So I'm not going to go all the way to the ledge yet, but I'm just going to just shake his foot a little bit just to see if there's any... No response. All right. uh, I, I'm going to go out and say, Dora, there's something here that's a little more in your milieu. <laughs> so at this time, Dora, you've, you've seen the fox, and just by simply looking in that room, you can see from across the way. You can see the body. You can see his eyes are open, so. and you can see this green mist. Coming Is there a out smell or anything to the mist? Yeah. So picture, like, kind of a fungal quality mixed with metal like brass 
mixed with something sickly, sickly sweet. Reminiscent of the cake smell at all? or No, no but equally weird, the combo. Like, you know, that combo of something rotting with something chemical with something uh, sweet. It feels just very alien and unnatural and wrong. Mm-hmm. Dora will attempt to detect the man's thoughts. I might use that um, corruption resistance on myself before I get any closer. Mm. Or maybe on him. <laughs> I'm less worried about him, to be honest. <laughs> He's a source of information right now. So you want to detect this man's surface thoughts. Okay, are you casting det- corruption resistance? Yes. So this is obviously a terrifying <laughs> scene in front of her, and so she lets all that fear in. She just opens the door, mm-hmm. and then she imagines a cocoon being woven around her, you know, from the feet up, and yeah. um, casts the spell. Tell me what this does. Uh, grant the creature limited protection from evil magical effects that, infi- that inflict damage. Okay. The subject takes five less points of damage from effects dealt from evil creatures. The value of the protection scales. Uh, corruption resistance protects against spells, spell-like abilities, and special abilities, not physical attacks. It only protects against damage. Can still suffer side effects. So got it. It's not that great, but it's something. So, you open up your mind to this man. Yeah. At the edge of the pit, and you are slammed with a repeating horror. You see the last thing that this man saw running in an endless loop, driving him completely insane. You see him leaning over the edge of this pit with a torch in his hand. You see him, it's just darkness. You see him drop the torch and then you watch it in this slow motion loop as it falls and you see like green mist parting as the torch falls, 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 falls. You can tell he's at this point in this, in this, when this happened, he's leaning forward, not believing how far down it's going, falling, falling. The torch drops 100 feet. The torch drops 150 feet. And then at around 200 feet, it lands on something. And he gets a 20-foot window of vision on a piece of a creature that is so large, simply seeing a piece of it drove him insane. It is like, (sighs) he understood that he was looking at the segment of some sort of worm-like creature, but it was so vast that as his brain tried to imagine seeing that in real life, it would extend beyond the horizon. It's so big. Give me a will save. Oh, we're gonna check your sanity here. <gasps> Ooh. Gonna use an action point. <gasps> Can I give any guidance on that or? No. 10. Dora takes 
17 points of sanity damage. Oh my. And that's the end of chapter 17. Oh. Why did you look in his mind? What, did what, you have, you done? what have you done? What have, what you, have you done? Seventeen? <laughs> Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. Opening and closing themes along with additional music composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. Did we level? (laughs) Ha <laughs>